think he's a bridge quarterback at this point. That might be a stretch considering that he really only has two suitors in Seattle and Carolina, two rumored suitors. And those teams are going through camps. Both would probably like Baker Mayfield, but they don't want to pay for Baker Mayfield. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. Fox Sports, Joy Taylor, talking about Baker Mayfield and the two teams that may potentially be looking at him. He's going to end up at one of them, Seattle, or he's going to end up in Carolina. We know that. We just don't know when (laughs) and which one he's going to be exactly. But our next guest has a really good idea, put out a really good piece on BleacherReport.com. One trade each NFL team should offer before 2022 training camp starts. And that is Ian Wharton from Bleacher Bleacher Report on Twitter at NFL Film Study. And Ian, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I definitely appreciate you. And I was checking out your piece, and it was really good breakdown. And, of course, I'm looking at a a Raiders uh, point of view, and there's multiple different scenarios that you have for the silver and black. Foster Moreau possibly going to the Packers. Kenyon Drake possibly to the Saints. And then Marvin Jones, the wide receiver in Jacksonville, going to the Raiders. So when you were putting this piece together, how difficult was it to come up with one trade for each team? <laughs> oh man, it's so hard. Because <laughs> some of those deals, it's like if I'm the Raiders, I'm not trading Foster Moreau. Like, okay. but for the Packers, it makes a lot of sense. You know, it, it, so it's kind of like from the opposite standpoint. Um, where for Green Bay, I think it makes a lot of sense. But obviously, you know, Vegas is trying to win, so I'm not going to give up a good player for for a draft pick that's not going to help me for a couple of years. So it's definitely tough. Uh, some of the picks or some of the trades were trickier than others, especially teams that are um, a little bit younger, maybe don't have. Uh, or teams that don't have a lot of cap space. It makes it pretty tough, but it's a fun exercise. And I think it's more than more than anything. It's just like a good thought process to be like, okay, cool. Like, would we do that? What would it take for us to do that? Right, exactly. And with Foster Moreau, as you mentioned, you know, Josh McDaniels, he likes the two tight end set, so most likely wouldn't want to give up Foster Moreau. But you mentioned getting a 2023 third round pick in return, which would be a, a third only because they're trying to sweeten the deal to go ahead and pry him away to, from Vegas. That would be some good, you know, that'd be some good capital for a guy going into the last year of his deal. That's something that I think Josh McDaniels, the company, might at least think about. Yeah, exactly. That was where I was trying to come from, where it's, you know, you're you're losing a good player, but you're not losing a starter. You're not losing an integral piece. You're just losing a guy who is an asset. And so, in general, he's probably not worth a third-round pick. But that's that balancing between winning now and kind of winning long-term and that New England state of mind, I, you know, I think they would definitely consider that because it is such a good pick for a guy that you're probably going to lose in free agency next year anyways. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. Again, we're talking with Ian Wharton right now from uh, Bleacher Report here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Now, one that I was fully on board with was Kenyon Drake, uh, the running back, and he's obviously going into the last year of his deal, but the Raiders have so many running backs in the stable right now. You're talking about sending him to the Saints for a fifth round in return. That would be a great deal if they're able to move uh, move Kenyon Drake for that. Do you think that this front office for the Raiders is actively trying to move Drake right now? I don't think that they're actively trying. I, I do think this is going to be one of those training camp battles where it just makes sense. They're going to look at the depth, and they have great depth. It, Josh McDaniels obviously coming from a situation in New England where they just replace backs. Mm-hmm. They just feed day three guys, undrafted guys, late into their their uh, their system, and they have success. And, and Drake's a good back. Like it's not that right. he's not a nice player. It's not that he's an, an asset. Not especially his receiving ability. But it's just look at the salary. They can save money. They've gotten so many you know expensive veterans. You have to cut the corners like that. Like it matters when you can save a couple million dollars here and there. 
uh, for your long-term success. So I don't think they're actively shopping him, but I think once we start to see camp play out, hopefully knock on wood, there won't be an injury. If there's not an injury, I think Drake will be uh, – certainly available for the right price. You know, and the thing about it is when I look at Drake and I look at his contract situation with all the restructures that he's had, it's almost one of those situations where you have to trade him or you just have to you have to keep him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like that you could really yeah. release him because the dead money is too much. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. And, you know, if, if that's the way that they did it on purpose, it actually it's pretty smart. Um, there's always injuries, right? And there's not a lot of backs available. I just did another piece that Looking at the available free agents, there's really not any quality running backs available on the market. Drake might be the best guy who's available via trade. And so maybe you're looking at a pretty easy deal if someone has an injury to a starter. Talking right now with Ian Warden from Bleacher Report here on Unnecessary Roughness. Raider Nation Radio 920 put out a piece. One trade each NFL team should offer before the 2022 training camp starts. And you mentioned the Raiders going out and making a move for wide receiver Marvin Jones from the Jaguars, giving up a 2023 fifth-round pick. And it's funny, earlier in the show we were talking about third wide receivers. We know that there's Devontae Adams. We know Hunter Renfro, but we're talking about who the next wide receiver. And you brought up Marvin Jones. I know he's a little bit older. He slowed down a little bit, but you've got those other guys getting the most, of the bulk of the majority of the attention. What do you think Marvin Jones would bring to the table in a Josh McDaniel system? Yeah, I think he'd be such a nice fit, especially with Derek Carr. Those back shoulder throws. Jones is so good on the sideline. He's such a different player. He's kind of what Brian Edwards was supposed to be, except for he's been doing it for like eight years. So he's proven. He's a guy that's been doing it at a high level. Uh, even if he's not a superstar, you're kind of getting like that value uh, version of like a starter who can get He's pretty happy in, in his role, right? Like, he doesn't need to be the star to be happy. He can just kind of do his thing, get, you know, probably 80 targets in a year. Maybe that's 45, 50 catches in a year. But he's going to maximize that. He's going to get those 14, 15 yards per catch. And he's going to have a pretty impressive stat line. So I think for his value, um, even on his contract, I just think would be really nice on this team because they don't have anyone who can reliably, you know, outside of Adams, he can do everything. They don't really have that third guy, like you mentioned, who can win on the outside consistently. Yeah, I mean, we were looking at Demarcus Robinson. Uh, we were looking at Mac Hollins. We were looking at, uh, um, I forget his other name now, uh, Cole, Keelan Cole, excuse me, that they just picked up from the Jets as well. So those are the three guys that they really have. So Marvin Jones is obviously a higher quality uh, wide receiver than any of them, again, slowing down a little bit with the, the acquisitions that the Jaguars made, they brought in Christian Kirk, they brought in Zay Jones, they spent some big money. Do you think they'd be willing to part with Marvin Jones because he's kind of the elder statesman, he's the veteran, he's kind of the leader of that, that group? Yeah, it's, that's a tough question because he's, again, like he's a different type of player for them. He would almost be doing the same thing for Jacksonville like he, does for, he would for Vegas, um, where he should be helping Trevor Lawrence be the best version of himself because he does pre- present that new type of skill set that they can't replicate on that roster. I think they should be open to it, but they're clearly trying to be a more competent team. And I think you're right. Like that leadership matters. That win now ability matters for them. Even if they're not trying to, uh, to win a Super Bowl, they're probably trying to win a Super Bowl, but right. they don't have realistic expectations of a Super Bowl. So I, I think it'd be tough to pry from them, but maybe you go through camp and maybe they have someone emerge as their third or fourth receiver who can take a spot. There you go. Talking with Ian Wharton right now from Ian, uh, from uh, Bleacher Report here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Radio 920. Now, while we were talking about your piece earlier in the show, I found some guys in your piece that I was very intrigued by that I thought, you know what? Raiders could make a move for him and I'd be okay. And one of them was Makai Becton, but I said that, Ian, and I said it kind of 
hesitantly, you know, because I just don't know with Makai Becton. I don't know what he's going to be so inconsistent. I don't know what his weight's going to be, if he's going to be a big Makai or he's going to be skinny Makai. I don't know what he's going to be. What are your thoughts on him? You have him going to the Chargers potentially, but what just what, what, what should anyone expect from him because he just hasn't been consistent? Yeah, you just nailed it. You have to trust the person as much as you do the player. And I think that's the big question with him. And I love the statements that he came out and made recently. You know, hey, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. I'm not a bust. And, and I don't think he's a bust. The guy was hurt last year. Like, I don't think that that's fair to say. Manages weight. That's such a big question for someone four seven, or I'm sorry, um, six seven, and, you know, goes over 400 pounds normally. It's like, if he can't control that, then he's not going to be an effective player. So when he's in control, his rookie season, he was really impressive. I thought he was a franchise type of tackle. Obviously, a lot of people saw that potential in him. The Jets are sticking by him for now. But it's one of those things where if he comes available, you do your homework on him. If you think you can keep him in shape, you might get someone at an absolute steal. It's just rolling the dice. And I, I think that's worth it for a lot of teams. I mean, his value on a rookie contract could be immense. So I think – Second-round pick is a little bit scary, but kind of watch what the Jets do. If they start to let it leak, they, they're not really happy with him. I think that could be an opportunity to swoop in. You know, it's so funny. One of uh, one of our listeners hit us up and was like, I like that idea, but I have thoughts of Trent Brown. And all the Raider Nation yeah. is scarred by Trent Brown because he was so inconsistent. He was good when he played, but he didn't play enough. Got a couple more guys that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, you mentioned safety Eric Rowe. Possibly the Dolphins could be sending him to the Titans. I like him, and the reason I like him is because he can cover a tight end. And the Raiders have struggled to cover tight ends for a very long time. He does – I know he, he kind of dipped in, in uh, uh, his, his play a, a season ago. What do you think Eric Rowe still has in the tank? Yeah, I, I really like Eric Rowe. I've liked him since he was at Utah. Just big, a big fan of his physicality, his length, his ability and coverage. He's really found a nice home at safety covering tight ends. And you're right, like his numbers dipped a little bit, but I don't know that that was him in particular. I just think coverage numbers, they do that. Like they're a little bit random sometimes. Guys catch one-handed touchdowns, and it makes your numbers <laughs> look like you were terrible, right? So some right. of it's just that. Like he's a guy who's always in position. He's extremely smart. He's a great tackler. He's a really good role player. I just don't know that for Miami, he probably makes sense to keep, but he is a little bit expensive. That roster's gotten expensive quickly. He's a little bit older. It's a generally younger team. They could be looking to move off of him, but I think he would have suitors, especially for playoff contenders, because the AFC is stacked with tight ends. Yep. The AFC is stacked in general, and it's like you need guys who can match up, win one-on-one reliably, even if it's just for 30%, 50% of your snaps. And if he were to be made available, I think he'd make a lot more sense for the Raiders, potentially, than he does Miami. Miami doesn't really have – they have some tight ends in the AFC East, but they don't really have uh, the superstar tight ends, really, that the Chiefs, that they, like, the, you know, the Chiefs have, obviously. And, and even with the Chargers, like, they're going to be rolling out a lot more athletic guys that I think can win because of the quarterbacks, too. So I think Rowe would be a really nice fit there. You know, and you mentioned that the Dolphins would receive a 2023 fifth-round pick. That's not bad. I would have no problem no. with the team giving up a fifth-round pick. I think that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, and it's what we usually see these veterans go for. It's just day three picks. Like, those are flyer picks. Mm-hmm. Those are picks that, for me, I'm a team talent type of guy. Like, I'm giving up picks for stars every day. Like, I love what the, the Raiders did for DeMonte Adams. It made sense. You're getting a guaranteed superstar for a pick, guy that was, you know, maybe 50%, 60% was going to be a starter over the next three to five years. It's like, for a lot of teams, I think that makes sense for a day three pick. I mean, come on. You're getting a guy for probably a year or two that is a bridge player that can really, really help you in key moments. And it, it, it just has to make sense. I think where those trades go bad, 
is they didn't make sense from a start. You right. just misidentified the player. You misidentified the role. And that, that deal wouldn't have made sense if you signed him for the minimum contract. So, uh, But you're right, though. You have to match the, the scheme with the personnel. You know, I got two more players that I wanted to ask you about. One that you have going for a 2023 six-round pick, and that is cornerback Bradley Roby from the Saints, sending him to the Steelers. I like him, and the reason why is I feel like, uh, well, first of all, you said Roby is sticky in man coverage. And everything we hear about Patrick Graham and his defensive scheme he's going to run here in Vegas is he's going to be running a press man coverage. I like that, but I also like what Casey Hayward did a year ago with the Raiders, uh, coming in as a veteran and really being the best corner that they had. I feel like Roby could play that role. What are your thoughts on him, and how do you think he fits with the Raiders? Yeah, yeah. he kind of reminds me he could almost have a little bit of like a James Bradbury um, instant impact kind of not quite to that level, but he's he's similar type of player. You're getting like a value version of what Bradbury had with Patrick Graham in New York, and you saw Bradbury really get his value uh, more value when Graham was calling the plays there. And I think that similar skill set, physical guy, like you said, good willing tackler. He's not going to force interceptions. That's the negative on him. He's not a playmaker, mm. and that's okay. Right. He's going to be solid. It's just that not every team maybe needs that or wants that. I do think the Raiders could use that because the Raiders have a young group of guys who could use more consistency. And that's the big question of the Raiders secondary this season, I think, for at least a corner. Where's the consistency? They, they've got to find it somewhere. Right. So I think, you know, Roby makes sense. He's one of the few guys, uh, a veteran on a depth chart, that he's probably going to get squeezed out. The Saints have a lot of cornerbacks. And, uh, you know, I, I do think with the Raiders it would be a nice fit. And worse comes worse, he's a rotational starter. And you're getting that for a late-round pick, and you're getting him for one year, maybe two years. Um, but, again, it's like one of those flyer – it's one of those stopgap type of picks. He's not Casey Hayward. He's not going to be as good as Casey Hayward was because, I mean, I love Casey Hayward. He's, yeah. he's still really, really good. But Roby's a nice role player. There you go. I, I, hey, look, they, uh, having a veteran role player in that position would be good because, like you mentioned, uh, they are very young in the in the secondary and a lot of unproven in that secondary. Again, we're talking with Ian Wharton from Bleacher Report at NFL Film Study on Twitter. And final one for you, and I got a little greedy here. I'm not going to lie, Ian. I was, I was, uh, my eyes got a little bit big. Sometimes my mom says that my stomach is is, or my eyes are bigger than my stomach. And this is one of those situations. <laughs> I saw defensive tackle Deron Payne. Uh, you had the Lions getting pain and the Commanders getting uh, my. Michael Brockers in a 2023 second-round pick. I like everything that you had to say about Payne. Only 25 years old, 14 and a half sacks at 227 tackles in four seasons. Quick first step. He's a guy, and I look at the Raiders' defensive line. They need someone on that interior. I know he's going to want a contract extension pretty soon. What do you think the Silver and Black would have to give up to be able to get Deron Payne from Washington? Yeah, oh, he's, he's such a good player. Um, I would be trying to pry him uh, pretty much if I'm any team and I have the cap space to do it or if I have the ability to create the space to do it. Um, I think he'd really flourish, especially with the, the edge rushers that, that Vegas has. I think that that would be such a nice um, pairing. What, what you'd give up, I think you start with that second-round pick and it, it may just go on to you know maybe a, another second-round pick in the future, maybe a third-round pick. You might tie it to like whether the extension gets done. Um, which, of course, it would. Like, you don't go make a trade like that without right. getting the extension kind of lined up first. Um, I don't know if they have any veterans that could kind of sweeten that deal. It kind of depends on what Vegas wants, or I'm sorry, what Washington wants. Um, they're, Washington's not a super deep team either, and they run different schemes, so I'm not sure there's a big player matchup there, but I would probably look at two day two picks. Second-round pick in 2023, maybe a third-round pick, or maybe a second-round pick in 2024, um, which is a lot to tie up in one guy, but he's still in his prime. He's 25. 
like you mentioned, like that's a huge part of this. You're not getting a guy 27, 28, 29 years old. You're getting him still in the middle of his career, and by the time he hits those really expensive years, your defense is in a different place, and hopefully he's like the, the franchise corner piece of that defense because at that point Chandler Jones will be gone. Um, you know, you're going to have Crosby be a little bit older. So that, I think it'd be a nice fit. It'd be a really fun fit. And you can use as many pass rushers as you possibly need. Yes, absolutely. I, I would love that. Everyone here has been talking about Sue, and, and he's been campaigning to, to be a Raider. But uh, basically, you're getting a younger version of Sue, not quite so nasty, not as you know, not not as polished, or but still a really good player and only at 25 years old. I'd be all for that. But uh, who knows what happened? And the other thing about about Payne is. He's got guys like uh, Chase Young, and he's got Jonathan Allen that really overshadow him. So a lot of people don't think that he's been that productive because they got those bigger names around him. Yeah, for sure. And that's just where it comes down to, like, you have to just watch and you have to look at the scheme that he's in. He's, he plays a lot of nose tackle, which is great. He's very good at that role. But that means that you're eating blocks for those guys around you more often than not. I think if you put him in this scheme, we've seen Patrick Graham's defenses create some very, very productive defensive tackles guys who get upfield quickly and that'd be pain and, and he might be overshadowed a little bit still because right. the address talent in Vegas is great but that's a good team problem to have and if you pay him enough money I'm sure he'll be more than happy to share <laughs> that spotlight right <laughs> absolutely I agree 100% well Ian great stuff man it was a great piece that you put out on Bleach Report really caught my attention and I'm so happy that you're able to join us on the show today what else you got coming out that we need to be on the lookout for um, I think I have like a uh, quarterback piece, how the young quarterbacks are going to be faring next year. I've got something about like the bottom five defenses coming out uh, sometime next week. So, uh, and I'll be ranking, I think like, I think it'll be redrafting like the 2018 draft. It'll be like in a week or two, too. So always content coming, but um, try to mix it up a little bit. Try to do some of these fun pieces and try to do, you know, I see a little bit more positive, but sometimes those negative pieces come in there too. It's not I hear my you. call, though. I hear you. Well, I'll tell you this: if you start redoing the drafts, don't do the 2020 draft because nobody in Raider Nation wants to oh. see the 2020 draft. Nobody. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. Thankfully, that part of the franchise is in the rearview mirror. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> era was not. I mean, it was. At least you guys made the playoffs last year, but I mean, the drafting wasn't great. No, 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 it wasn't. <laughs> you are right about that, <laughs> Ian. Thank you so much for your time, man. Great stuff. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be talking soon. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. All right, you too, brother. There he goes, Ian Warden, Bleacher Report. You can find him on Twitter at NFL Film Study. Great breakdown. Again, his piece is called "One Trade Each NFL Team Should Offer." before the 2022 training camp starts. That was a lot of really good stuff there. Uh, and I'm telling you right now, Deron Payne, I'd be all aboard with that. If, if they, the Raiders were able to go and make a move and bring in Deron Payne, I'm all good. No doubt about that. And also, I'd be good with Bradley Roby. Bradley Roby, I think that'd be a good fit as well. Let's go ahead before we take a break and go ahead to the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Jason in Vegas. Jason, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? What up, Q? What's going on, man? Twilight, what's up, brother? <laughs> what up, hey man? Ari, man, you you were you you were started to be cool in my book, man. I was gonna miss you, but then you had to go and slip up and call my dad a girl, man. That's, oh, that's a little bit hard. That's, that's fair. I, I take that. You you damn right. You I've gotta already, take it. You ain't got no yeah, option. Bro. I mean, hey man, and dude, if you were to see him, he's about as tall as it gets, bro. So that's like committing like a sin to him, bro. I mean, yep. that's like you know, this is also locals forever with him, yo. <laughs> His yeah. response was really nice too. Well, I told him I have the same problem. My name's Ari. You you know I'm no stranger to that. So no nobody no, thought nobody okay. thought you were yeah. a girl. Dude. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I, <laughs> I have this amazing Sorry, platform. Bro. No, well uh, once again, public apology. Yes, my man. Sorry. Oh <laughs> uh, shoot. Hey, but uh, yeah, man. Uh, the trade. I, I 
interesting, interesting stuff that they, you guys got going on. It was a good little, uh, good little uh, informative uh, piece that they got going on. Mm-hmm. He said that. I mean, I like. Uh, I mean, I, I, I can see it, but at the same time, I don't think we'll trade just yet. But I mean, I, the piece is there. I mean, that seems, seems right. But uh, I don't know, man. What do you think? Uh, what do you think, Hugh? I mean, I heard you talking about the Aces and the Title Nine, man. I got to get back on them just because you know those are those are the girls, man. I, I watch them all the time now, so. What you think, Hugh? What do you think? We get the dub uh, tomorrow? What do you think, man? Oh, yeah, no doubt. I think the Aces bounce back. I mean, that's just what they do. They'll, they'll bounce back, but that loss that they had the other night was just, it was not okay. But luckily for them, it's only their third loss of the season. They'll get right back on their horse. They'll ride that thing, and, and they'll be all right. Isn't it crazy to think that they're only three losses in the, in the season already? Right. Like, it's a trip. It's exactly. a trip. It's a trip to think. Like, like we're to, to say that, oh, it was so disappointing, but it's only our third. If it was only the third, they'll hand it to us. You right. know what I mean? So, yeah. You know, but I mean, it's a small se- It's a small, uh, small schedule, small season for them. But you know, I, I think we got the deep. But uh, all right, you, you know, I'm gonna let you go, man. You know, you doing your thing. All right, all right. You know, uh, you you be all right in my book, man. Hope to see you hear from you again. All right, man. <laughs> Appreciate you. <laughs> there goes Jason, aka we call him Twilight, and he told us that. It's not like I made that up. He told us that. It's not like he. Uh, it's not like he called in and said, "Hey, Jess is a girl." Like you thought that was just bad. I was just bad, Ari. Like you were doing. Right. You were doing so well all week long. Uh, everything was great. That everything was the only was slip rolling up I had good. the whole time. Yeah, but that's like a big slip up. <laughs> I'm joking. There's been plenty of slip ups. I know, but that was like the major slip up. It was. It like was. you could slip, but that was a slip and a fall and a fumble. I didn't get the notes that Demond gave me. That that wasn't in there. So, Demond ain't got no notes. <laughs> I, I know. That's you want to talk about a dude who? Oh, he's got plenty of notes from me. <laughs> that he doesn't oh, read. Shots fired. Ever. Wow. Shots yeah. fired. Hey, you probably sent me this on the email, but um, do you have? Wow. That's, that's the last two All weeks. right, you sound a little salty there, brother. Yeah, just getting preparing myself for next week. <laughs> Lowering my expectations. Oh, man. We're all in the same group, man. We're all together. We're all family, man. Sure Kumbaya. Are. Check the email. Oh, I know. <laughs> I don't check my emails while I'm on the air, though. Smart man. You know what the funny thing is in this building is when I get emails is when I'm on the air. Yeah, know, it's, it, it's weird how that it happens. It happens. It starts at 150, and then it ends <laughs> around 455. Then, then I'll get the, the nothing. Then I'll get the oh man, I forgot you were on the air. My bad. Yep. It happens. Just got a text. Also, thanks for not hanging up on me, Ari. <laughs> Mike, see? <laughs> I'm coming along. Are you? Right in time for my exit. Are you? Yeah, Big Dub Raider. Hour. Big Dub Raider also hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R and R. AQ. Definitely gonna miss Ari's musical selections. He's definitely been on point the last few weeks. Demond gotta catch up. LOL. Go Raiders. Whew. Wow. Wow, there's like a, a line in the sand that's been drawn. Man. I'll take that. Thank you. I mean, hey, that's you got to take the small victories, brother. Then <laughs> <laughs> yeah. on a positive note. I walk into our <laughs> boss's Natalie's office all the time, and usually I lose every every little battle that we may have. We don't have very many battles, but, you know, there's times where I might suggest something and she gives me a better suggestion. She's undefeated. She's definitely undefeated. <laughs> but every once in a while I come out with a dub, and I'm like, hey, it's a small victory. I got to take the small victories when I can get them. Absolutely. Something to be proud of. Oh, yeah. Something to be proud of. Well, good stuff. Uh, Jason, thank you for the call. Appreciate you. Uh, Big Dub Raider, thank you so much for the the text. I appreciate that. And I believe that might have been Jason. His his name's not labeled in here that said, thanks for not hanging up on me, Ari. So I'm just kind of putting two and two together, assuming that that was the case. But, uh, yeah, here we go, man. We got this thing rolling. Party is rolling here on Raider Nation Radio. Matter of fact, coming up next, what we're going to do is turn our attention to the NFL Network and talk with Taylor Bishotti. Ari. Nailed it. Not Biscayati, whatever you were saying. Great job, Q. Let's take the break. No, that's what you were saying. I can't believe that that was what you were saying. 
And you were trying to set me up for failure. Do you have audio of this? Yes, we were walking in the hallway. The Do young you lady have audio at, that you can The young play. lady sitting at the front desk heard you say her name is Taylor Bischiotti. And I was like, I don't know, man. NFL Network, I watch it all the time. I've never heard that. I, I just, I'm asking if there's proof of this. I'll bring the young lady no, in no, no, from the no, front no, no. desk. This I'll bring her in. Oh, that's what I'm saying. We need audio. Yeah, we will. She has a mouth. She can speak. That's not audio. I'm it talking about a sound audio. It's, it's not more, I mean, it's the most audio you can get. I want a soundbite of You'll me saying You'll get a soundbite. She'll say, yeah, Q, I heard Ari say that. It doesn't get more audible than that. What are we talking right, we'll about see. here? We'll see. What are we talking about here? What are you doing? I just wanted to hear you yell. 425 is the time. Taylor Biscotti. Bishotti. Now I can't even say her name right. Damn it. This yes. is Red Nation Radio 920. RG3, he tweeted something about what I said. Right. He basically said it, I believe, better than me. You know, all Tyreek is doing is just putting confidence into his quarterback, which, which is all I'm doing. This I've had a chance to play with both of the guys. Yep. You know, Patrick is, is very accurate, you know, but I just feel like going into my new season, I play with two or not, dog. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. You heard Tyreek Hill right there, kind of low-key defending his... His point that he made the other day about Patrick Mahomes and Tua Tagovailoa saying Tua's more accurate. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes has a stronger arm. And as I mentioned on the show, there's nothing, there's nothing that Tua does better than Patrick Mahomes. But that's just my opinion. Just my opinion. We'll see how it shakes out in Miami. I am intrigued to see the dynamic with Tua, with Waddle, with Hill, with all the weapons they have in Miami, including Coach McDaniel. But right now I want to turn our attention to the AFC West, and to do that we go to NFL Network's Taylor Bashadi. And, Taylor, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. We do appreciate you. And let's start with Tyreek Hill. How much do you think that the loss of Tyreek Hill is going to impact the Kansas City Chiefs with what they're able to do offensively this season? Gosh, well, thanks for having me, first of all. But Tyreek Hill, that loss, it's, it's huge. But when you look at the loss of Tyreek Hill, if there was one team that could afford to lose a player like like Tyreek, it is the Chiefs just because of how many weapons they do have on offense. I think it really is, Patrick Mahomes said it himself, that it's going to give the other receivers a chance to step up and be that number one guy and have those opportunities. Because when Tyreek Hill was in that offense, there was really no, there was no room for anybody else. So as big of a loss as it is for the Chiefs, I do think that they're still going to be fine. I'm not. I'm not overly concerned about how they're going to about how they're going to be offensively. Do you think that they have more of attention on the running game now than they did before? Is Andy Reid just going to continue to be Andy Reid and and not really uh, trust the running game too much? I just think that we're seeing the the entire league has shifted away from a primary like a prime primary like running back mm-hmm. league where it was what it was before most offenses really relied heavily on those running backs and less on the receivers and now you're just seeing these quarterbacks the way that they're throwing for over 300 yards that's pretty much like an average of every game now it feels like mm-hmm. so i mean i i think that you might see the running backs play a little bit more of a role just to kind of spice things up and keep defenses on their toes but when you've got Patrick Mahomes and you can sling the ball down the field the way that Patrick Mahomes, I'm not sure about that whole accuracy thing. Patrick Mahomes is pretty darn accurate. I agree <laughs> right. with you. So um, I, I don't know why you wouldn't use use that weapon, especially, let's talk about this, especially when you're in a division like the AFC West, which I would not be jealous of any team, or if I was an outside team, I would not be jealous of any of those teams in the AFC West. That is going to be the hardest division in football 
Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, I mean, Justin Herbert, I don't think it could get any more difficult. No, no, not at all. And it's going to be fun to watch and, and cover throughout the course of the season. But you're right. It's so going to be, to man, it's going to be a bloodbath each and every week. We're talking with NFL Network's Taylor Bashotti here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. You mentioned Russell Wilson. He's new to Denver. And then they have uh, they now have Nathaniel Hackett as a head coach. He's new to Denver. He's new to being a head coach. How do you think that dynamic shakes out in Denver? What are your expectations for the Broncos? I have, I have high expectations for them. I had high expectations for them last year, and we were all kind of just circling that quarterback position. That was the X factor. Were they going to be able to get it done? I mean, Bradley Chubb is supposed to be healthy on defense. We thought that they had put a lot of those pieces together last year. Now they're only getting that much better with Russell Wilson. I mean, he is the ultimate deodorant also for anything that is ever wrong on your team. Well, I don't think that they've got a lot of holes that needed to be filled other than quarterback. So I think the Broncos are going to take a big step this year. How do you think Nathaniel Hackett does as a first-time head coach? I mean, he's been an offensive coordinator. He was in Green Bay. He wasn't calling the plays, but he has called plays in other stops. But now he's the CEO of everything. How long do you think they'll kind of take him to adjust? I don't think it'll take him that long. Um, I mean, we've seen – I mean, look at what Matt LaFleur has done, these young head coaches, Brandon Staley. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't – it doesn't seem like it's taking them that long to adjust, especially when you have that veteran presence of Russell Wilson. It's almost like having that veteran presence of Aaron Rodgers, where it doesn't feel like it's just like a rookie player or a rookie head coach because it's not, you know, you've got that kind of that veteran experience to fall back on at, as, at the quarterback position. Talking right now with Taylor Bashotti from NFL Network here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brandon Staley going into year two as the head coach with the Chargers. They went and loaded up defensively in the offseason. Of course, Justin Herbert is there. How do they take that next step, especially on the offensive side of things? Let's start with Herbert. How does he take that next step? Everyone expects him to be great, but he hasn't hit the playoffs yet, and he's got a very short career. How does he take the next step? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think that you can pin – them not making the playoffs on Herbert. I think that they really had some big holes on the offensive line, and I think that we saw them address those holes. They also had a big hole in having a number two running back. You know, we had Austin Eckler last year. The Chargers had Austin Eckler last year as the RB1. There was really no RB2 that ever was able to step up, so they addressed that issue in the offseason. And then I think defensively, that is where they make the biggest increase this offseason. They put so much emphasis on that in the draft. We saw big holes filled, not even just in the draft, but, you know, Khalil Mack coming over. Mm-hmm. They they prioritize that, and they spend a lot of money, and I think that we're going to see the that payoff come this upcoming season. Do you think that Brandon Staley continues to roll the dice like he did last season? I think so. I think he's a big stats guy, and I think that when you statistically look at, you know, going forward on fourth down, more often than not, I mean, the, the stats don't lie, and that's what that's what he's following. And so I do think that he's going to continue to take that. Now, that Raiders-Chargers game was, <laughs> I don't know if he made the right call in that specific game. But overall, I think he really does believe in his philosophy, and I think he's got the mindset and the mentality that, you know, it might not work out every time in your favor, but more often than not, we got to this position because of the risks that we did take, and they worked out more than they didn't work out. And, of course, we're going to sit there and highlight the one big error in the time that it didn't work out. Right. But he truly does believe in the philosophy and the reasoning why they're doing it. He's not just doing it for the heck of it. He's, he's doing it because he believes in what it 
what it does. Talking all things AFC West right now with Taylor Bashadi from NFL Network here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Let's bring it to Vegas, Taylor. Let's bring it to Vegas. Josh McDaniels is the head coach. They've made some moves in the offseason. Let's talk about Josh first. What do you think? He's got his second time to to be a head coach. It didn't work out in Denver, but he went back to New England. He's been well-seasoned. How do you think Josh McDaniels does in his second run? I mean, talk about a great situation to walk into as the head coach of the Raiders right now. You've got Derek Carr, great quarterback, and then you've just got given him the number one, potentially the number one weapon in the NFL with Devontae Adams. They were so they were so good last year, despite everything that they had going on off the field and everything that they had to face as a team and everything they'd overcome. I think that they're only going to be better this year. What did you think and I of think that Josh I think that McDaniels is gonna be a huge impact in that in that locker room getting getting that team together. What did you think of the way that they were able to navigate last season and everything you mentioned off the field and still find a way to get to 10 wins and get to the playoffs? I think it's a testament to I think it's a testament to the coaches. I think it's a testament to Derek Carr. I think it's a testament to Darren Waller. I think it's a testament to the entire team just kind of supporting each other and having each other's back and really going out there and putting it all on the field and fighting for their teammates and their coaches and knowing that what happened off the field doesn't represent who they are as a team and a group of players because you and I both know that they have a a really great and special team there. And unfortunately, sometimes it gets obscured by what happened with one or two players. Right, no doubt about it. And, And you've been covering the NFL for a very long time. How shocked and surprised are you that there's an NFL team in Las Vegas and it's thriving right now? I love it. Gosh, I, I, I say this to everyone. People always ask me, you know, how SoFi Stadium? And don't get me wrong. Don't come at me if you're, if you're a Rams fan or a Chargers fan. I, I think SoFi Stadium is incredible. But the coolest stadium that I have ever been to is Allegiant Stadium. I mean, that place is rocking. And I know that we had arguably the best game of the year, that game, when I was there. Except just the way that it's all set up and laid out in that ground floor, like, big club right behind um, the Raiders bench mm-hmm. is so fun. I mean, you don't even have to be a football fan to want to go and hang out there in there and party. They have great DJs. I mean, what a fun environment to go see a game in. So Allegiant is my number one team in the <laughs> NFL right now. <laughs> were, were you able to make it out to uh, Vegas for the draft? I wasn't. I wish I could have been there, but I was actually at SoFi because the Chargers had Snoop Dogg mm. coming perform, which was also really fun. Right. Well, that, that that's 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 pretty cool too. <laughs> that's a pretty cool yeah. event as well. Well, let me ask you this: What is your anticipation level? I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but this upcoming year, Arizona is going to host the Super Bowl, and then it's going to be here in Las Vegas. What is your expectations for that? Um. I think that every single hotel room needs to have coconut water, regular water, (laughs) Gatorade, electrolytes, because that is going to be a blast of a Super Bowl. I can't wait. (laughs) I love it. I I love that you mentioned coconut water. That is actually one of my go-to drinks. I don't know how I discovered it. I didn't really discover it. Yes. Apparently it gives you more. I I heard that if you drink a big, big water bottle full of coconut water, it's the same thing as an IV. 
I read that somewhere. I don't know if it's true or not, but I tell myself that every time that, you know, I'm not feeling 100% and need that IV. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I'll give you one drink tip. This is one that I always ask for when I go to the bar. I always ask for a coconut water and a vodka, and I don't know if they ever have it. Usually they don't, but at home I make it all the time, and it's fantastic. So if you haven't tried it, coconut water and vodka is fantastic. That's the best tip of the day. I'll do that next time. I will not have a hangover, I bet. (laughs) Exactly. You're exactly right, and that's exactly why I do it. Taylor, fantastic stuff. Thanks for joining us on this Friday, giving us some great insight on the the AFC West. Uh, Appreciate you so much. Keep doing what you do on the NFL Network, and we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Happy Friday. You too. There she goes. Taylor Bashadi, NFL Network, AFC West, and coconut water. Anyone who says coconut water is a friend of mine. That's so funny. That's one of my drinks, though. And I, I don't, like I said, I didn't discover it, but I appreciate it and I embrace it. Vodka and coconut water. I always get Tito's, but now I'm a big fan since I went to Hawaii. I'm a big fan of the organic vodka in the blue bottle. I'm sure you've seen it. It's the blue bottle that's like sideways, it's a big circle, it's like a dome, but it's sideways. It kind of sounds familiar. It's, I'm looking it up. It's blue. It's the organic vodka. Anyway, we went to the distillery in Hawaii. That's where it's produced and manufactured and created. And you can get it at Lee's. Ocean. Yeah, Ocean Vodka. There you go. That's my new go-to. I used to be a Ciroc guy. That's when I was a a hip-hop dude. And then I went to Texas, so I became a Tito's dude because I was in Texas. It's Austin. And then I went to Hawaii, and I got bougie. I see that. (laughs) And now I got that organic vodka. What you know about that? So yeah, that, thing. That's, <laughs> so that's something to try out. Anyone who wants to try it, that's a really good one, man. That organic vodka is really, really good. And it's very, it's very reasonable price as well. So that's that's one of my favorites. Go ahead and check that out. Mix that with a little bit of coconut water, and you'll be good to go. So definitely uh, appreciate Taylor for her time this afternoon. 702-365-9200. Let's go out to the Rare Nation listener line real quick. Talk to our guy, Big Jose from San Jose. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? My dude, how you doing? Hey, man, I'm blessed. I'm chilling. I love that segment about the coconut water and vodka. If I was drinking, man, I'd hit it up. But I, I do just right with the coconut water. That, that's bomb, bro. Yes, sir. I yes, mean, sir. I, I love how you gave that little tip. You should have a segment called the Q-tip of the day. What up with that? There you right? go. There you go. Been there, done that. Had that before. But maybe I'll do that when it comes to drinking. Right, for sure. Hey, I, I love the idea of getting Mr. Payne from off the Washington Reds, the Washington Commanders squad, if we could, if we could swing that, because it puts it would put us in a really good spot, and I, I wouldn't be hating on Mr. Roby coming over to shut down the corner. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot of excitement, a lot of stuff, and I'm I'm still waiting to see what happens with all this cap space from the June first and the waiver wire. Man, that's what I'm looking forward to because you get some picks. That's like thrift shopping, you know what I mean? Right. And you get them good pair of Levi jeans from the thrift store at like seven dollars when back in the day they was fifty. That's what I'm looking for. I'm, hey, I'm with you. I'm with you, man. It's going to be interesting. Right good call, man. Appreciate you. You know, that's 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 a good point, and I'm interested to see exactly where they go with the with the money that they have now as well. I do believe Darren Waller is going to get some kind of money. We've talked about that in great length in multiple shows, so we don't really have to rehash that. I, th- I think he gets taken care of sooner rather than later, but what's next? You know, and that's why I looked at a guy like Jerron Payne and thought, you know, he's only 25. You go ahead and make a trade for him. You can structure that deal, and he could be an anchor on that defensive line. And you got a young unit. You got a 25-year-old in pain. You got Max Crosby. I know Chandler Jones is a little bit older, but 
Maybe Malcolm Kuntz is all of a sudden developing. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to get a ton of burn this year, but I think he'll get enough. He'll get more than he got last season, I do believe. I mean, you, you can start to put together and do what a lot of teams do where they have young guys and they're able to slide them into a good position. So uh, I, I would be I would be all for that Deron Payne move if they decided that that was a move that they go and, and want to go get. Uh, Roby, I don't think he would cost that very much at all. Uh, and I think that'd be a good a good one as well. They could probably get him for a six-round pick, and that's just about the sweet spot. You know, give up that six-round pick, get a guy that you feel like can contribute and help out that secondary in a major way. 444 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, close out the show, close out the week. Shut it down on Ari. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Bryce down the left side. Bryce put it off the glass and in. Bryce Hamilton, yet another bucket. And that's the way the half ends as Bryce goes on a run. Pass to Williams. A three from the left side. Donovan is good. He's hit three huge threes in this game. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. You heard Bryce Hamilton, Donovan Williams, both foreign, former UNLV running Rebels. Hamilton Summer League invite with the Heat. He'll be playing right here in Las Vegas. As a matter of fact, I do believe the Heat are coming to Vegas, right? I know they have Summer League as well in uh, in Orlando. I do have the schedule around here somewhere, but uh, yeah. So Summer League's right around the corner. We have tickets to that. You heard Donovan Williams as well signed with the Nets. So shout out to that. I, and look, I always look forward to seeing guys that are from our local area that to get to go on to the next level and do what they do. I don't care if it's high school or going to college, collegiate going to the professional level. I don't care. I just get excited when young people get to live out their dreams, regardless of what, what it is. Hell, I look at myself and I look in the mirror every day and, and can't believe I'm living out my own damn dream. So I, I definitely can appreciate when young people get that opportunity. Also want to shout out to Jaden Hardy. He was drafted by the Mavs number 37 overall. Team Ignite, that's the G League. He's from Coronado High School right here in the Las Vegas area. Henderson to be exact. So shout out to him as well. So uh, three guys that are going to participate in the next level. And look, getting drafted is one thing. Now you got to go and earn it. The NBA is so difficult to actually carve out a niche and actually a, a, a good role. You can literally be drafted in the top 10 and then be in the G League and then n- never just make it back to the NBA. I mean, there's so many guys that have been lottery picks that haven't made it. You know I mean? It's just, it's, it's just, it's a, such a crapshoot. Like in the NFL, if you get a guy in the top 10, you feel pretty good. Now, sometimes it doesn't work out. We know every guy doesn't work out, but you feel pretty good that they're at least going to be able to carve out a niche. If not with the team that drafted them, they're going to be able to stick around the league for a little while. Someone's going to give them an opportunity, right? Cause they're top 10, top 15 in the NBA. You could be a top 15 pick, end up in the G league. And then it's crickets. No one ever hears from you again. So getting drafted is the first stage. Staying in the league, carving a, out a, a role in the league is the next thing. So good luck to all those guys. But uh, it was great to see last night on the NBA draft. It's so funny. The finals gets wrapped up. Then the draft happens a couple days later. Summer league starts up in, you know, in like a week or so. July 7th, it starts uh, here in Las Vegas. We'll have tickets to that. We'll be doing our shows live from that. Again, uh, I started off the show talking about that's one of my favorite events. I remember when I got here last year and they're like, hey, do you want to do your show from Summer League? I was like, are you serious? Are you serious? I'm a kid that used to come here to go and watch Summer League. Now I get to do a show from Summer League? Of course I want to do that. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. So that's that's uh, that's good stuff. We'll be giving out four-pack of tickets to that. And uh, you make sure you tune in to the morning tailgate. JT the Brick and myself all day long here on Radio Nation Radio 920 if you want to get hooked up. My man Ari. 
Ari's been walking Is slow, Renation. He's been walking <laughs> slow, man. You know, you know that guy. You know that guy that's got to go to the office. He gets called to the office and he's dragging his feet because he don't want to go. Ari has been, man. He had some pep in his step at two o'clock, three o'clock. He started to, <laughs> he started to still have some little. He had a little bit of pep, a little bit of bounce. About three forty-five, I think Ari started realizing, oh damn, man, the end is coming. Back with the soul crusher, <laughs> self-proclaimed. That's I'm gonna what need, happens. I'm gonna need you to be a little bit more fired up, man. I'm fired up. I'm gonna, I let am. You, I'm gonna need you, know you to take what you learned the last two weeks here on unnecessary roughness. That energy, that excitement, that happy to be here. I'm gonna need you to take that and take it back with you. Go on back to the homeboys. Go on get your little <laughs> knives. Go on get your little fruit. Take it back to the homeboys and tell them what you what you learned. No, I am. I'm actually excited. There's a lot of good things. Um, I learned a lot, and uh, I got an appreciation for Raider Nation. Like, not I, I'm just indifferent up to now. You know, I don't really know what's going on, but just kind of being part of it's only two weeks, but being on the phones and everything. You feel like you're part like, of the family. It's huh? a real culture. Yeah. Obviously it is. that's, I didn't need to say that. We all know that, but I'm saying, yeah, I just got a feel for it. So shout out to everyone uh, that I hung up on and that I uh, <laughs> redeemed myself. Yeah. With. Yeah. Yeah. You got to know everybody on the phone line. Cause their name <laughs> oh, was yeah. tone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> their name was dial tone. <laughs> right. <laughs> but so thank you for your patience. Something that we've created and Ari, I got to give him credit for this. He's created this while he's been here. And that is the national days of the day. He has brought that to the table, and we're going to close out the show each and every day. Even when DeMond comes back next week, that's going to be part of his responsibility. Now, is he going to succeed? Who knows? Because DeMond, you know, he's going to be having it. Well, actually, he don't have his cowboy gear on today. He said it was casual Friday today. Is that what the excuse was? That's what the excuse was. It's not was. really laundry day? Yeah, we, we, we didn't think that, that that charade was going to last too long. And then it was funny because I told the wife about DeMond and his, his cowboy outfit, and she said, oh, does he have boots on too? And I said, no, he had like. Yeah, like, like shoes. Like, yeah, like almost like penny loafers. And she said, there ain't For no like cowboy. Yeah, she's like, there ain't no cowboy that has penny loafers on. On business cowboy. Business yeah. Western. Is that what are we? <laughs> I don't know. But without further ado, I know we don't have much time. What's the national day of the day? I'm going to ask. Well, this is the world. World UFO day. So I'm just going to start with that real world quick. World UFO? You, how do you feel about? No. Like area 13 or is that what it is? Area 15? 51. Area 51. 51, whatever. No. Uh, I guess. No. There's a difference no, between no, start, UFOs no. and no, aliens, so I'm know. just so no, you don't believe there's no, any life forms no, outside no, of. No, okay, no. all right, moving next. Right <laughs> Speaking of no, 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 <laughs> what is this national take a take back the lunch break day? As I put in the notes, what the hell is a lunch break? I'm not yeah, familiar. with Yeah, I don't know that. what a lunch break is either. I just hey, I bounce out when I can, and I come back when I can, and call it a day. But Nola bars. There's there's no such thing as a lunch break in in radio. Yeah, well, so no on that as well. Uh, props on that though for trying. It's uh, also International Fairy Day and National Pralines Day. Fairy Day. What kind of fairy are we talking about? International. No, <laughs> I'm just saying. What kind of? I mean, is it oh, like, like the is dust, it pixie you know, dust? Like, yeah. Is it like fairy godmother? Is it that one? The pixie dust. Okay, yeah, it's, it's, is that like Peter Pan? It's like fantasy, basically. Oh, I'm not a fantasy guy. Yeah. Now, 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 now. I, I say that with the asterisk. It depends on what the fantasy is. <laughs> And who's international? It ain't. It ain't. If it's football, if it's football, I'm out. (laughs) We know you like international women. I mean, engineering. I like women anyway. (laughs) It was the international women of engineering. Hell, women like women. It's awesome. (laughs) 
I just want to say thanks again, Raider Nation. I'll be back. I'm on your airwaves. And, yeah, quick cross-promotion. You can catch me 3 yes. to 6 p.m. on yep. ESPN Las Vegas, Cofield & Company. That's right. My, uh, You know, you can tune in here, then maybe flip over for the last hour. Yeah, you yeah, do. yeah, yeah. That gets you, that gives a lot you of yelling. They'll give you the last, the last hour of love. But, no, Cofield & Company does a great job on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. We got Aviator Baseball coming up later on. And you can also hear the Aces tomorrow evening on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. Have a great evening and a great weekend. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.